Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. It's my great privilege to introduce Steve Light, our son, and many of you have heard him preach over the years or give missions report. As I introduce him, it's just with a real sense of profound gratitude for the ministry of this church to our family over the years. And I think of Stephen uh, being entering eighth grade when we came here and just being deeply blessed by the youth group. Chuck Walton was the youth pastor at the time. Many of you might remember him. And uh, just the support over the years. I remember uh, Michael and Carol coming to his graduation in 2009 from Westminster Seminary. Um, and being there with Steve and Chris Brown, the twins who were in the youth group with him, and um, just over the years, the blessing of God. And a, a year or two ago, uh, Fagel Brooks uh, and Lee went down to stay with them, and uh, Fagel spoke to a women's retreat at their church. Stephen and Lauren have been um, working at this church plant in Tampa, Florida, in the North Tampa area, which is a fast-growing, very... Um, diverse area, and um, so it's been a better part of a decade that they've been down there at Sojourner Presbyterian Church, and we're just so grateful for the Lord's work over these years there. And for all of you who have been praying for them, they've been supported by our missions committee, our great commissions committee over the years. So without any further introduction, um, Stephen is going to bring God's word to us. It's a great honor a great pleasure to be with you tonight. Would you turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 43 to the end of the chapter. John 1, 43 to 51. Hear God's word. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. 
God, you who give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, uh, we pray that even right now, in this time, through the ministry of the word, you might do that. And let each one who sees, see anew. And let each one who hears, hear anew. And may we together behold your glory and be changed from one degree of glory to another. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I take us this evening to the book of John. This is where we are as a church down there in Tampa and have been so deeply uh, encouraged and strengthened by it personally and seen the Lord at work through it. I just decided to pick right up here. And in this first chapter of the book of John, it really gets to fundamentals of the faith. Of course, the opening verses, the well-known prologue of the Gospel of John soar with such heights of uh, wonder in the doctrine of God and Christ that um, we could spend a lot of time there. But in this latter part of the chapter, it gets into really the fundamentals of discipleship, what it means to be Christ's disciple. And it includes part of the bookend of that call of Christ, follow me. That's here in the first chapter and you find it at the very end of the book of the Gospel of John. And that's really the very essence of discipleship, following Christ. What I want to consider tonight with great care and with a close look is how at the heart of following Christ, how at the essence of discipleship is the matter of seeing, of seeing, seeing the glory of Christ. It's really um, at the forefront of these verses and the second half of, of uh, this chapter. We see it in, in verse 39. If you just quickly survey where we are here, verse 39, he said to them, come and you will see. And it's in verse 46 where Philip says there to uh, Nathaniel, come and see. Really the theme of tonight, come and see from verse 46 there. It's again in verse 50, you will see greater things than these. In verse 51, you will see heaven opened. And what we see in these verses is that discipleship is very much a path of seeing. It's a path of seeing. And what sort of seeing? Well, obviously spiritual. It's spiritual sight, spiritual seeing. And we can go one step further, pulling from the the opening verses, the prologue in verse 14, that well-known and vital verse for the book of John. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Discipleship is a path of seeing, and it's a path of seeing the glories of Christ. That's at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the call, the call of Philip, the call of Christ is come and see, come and see. I wanna look at three things that stand out here. Um, Three matters of sight 
for us to consider tonight together from these verses. The first is this, see the glory of Christ as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Jesus finds Philip and then Philip goes to Nathanael and in verse 43, uh, excuse me, down a little bit, Nathanael says to Philip in verse 46, uh, oh, I've got my markers wrong. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He's not the son of Joseph. There's a little bit of uh, ignorance on Philip's part there. And he's also not of Nazareth, as Philip says to Nathaniel. He's mistaken in that. And Philip wasn't even the one who found Jesus. In fact, the text was very clear that Jesus found Philip. But Jesus is the one whom who has been revealed to Philip as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. So Philip is ignorant of a lot, but those errors and gaps in his understanding don't mean he's not a disciple, and his feebleistic effort is actually very profound at the bottom. His words are actually very profound because he speaks to what he saw in Jesus. He had eyes to see something of first order importance. And if you see that matter, then everything else ultimately falls into place. He saw a reality plain and clear before his eyes that is basic to discipleship and is part of the upward path of discipleship. He saw that Jesus was the one of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. In other words, the one set forth in letter, the one set forth in the scriptures, he recognized in the flesh. A way to come at this is, you know, we all like um, mysteries, and as you go through a good mystery, a mystery novel, you might see clues along the way that Actually, the astute reader might find out the solution before the ending and, and say, oh, I saw it coming. Or at least when the ending is revealed, say, okay, that makes sense. I, I saw that along the way. Well, there's something similar with the Bible. A mystery unfolds through the pages of the Old Testament. And all through the law and the prophets, a shadowy sketch of a figure is visible And on this day, Philip recognized him in the flesh. That's what he had seen. And that's a far deeper meaning there than just reading comprehension. It's deeper than having listened in Sunday school and having learned about what Moses and the prophets said. It's deeper than just being outwardly acquainted with the scriptures because many who knew those scriptures formally did not recognize Jesus at all. The Pharisees and the scribes had rejected them, rejected Jesus. In fact, many of those who had likely read, studied, and even memorized much of the Old Testament, but they didn't see him. And why was that? 
Well, this really gets to the heart of it. 2 Corinthians 3.15 tells us, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ is visible in Moses, in the law, the prophets, the scriptures, to those who have been unveiled by the Spirit of God. And so when Nathanael is skeptical and he says in verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip says to him, come and see. Don't take my word for it. See for yourself. If you've seen him in the law and Moses and the prophets, you'll recognize him. If the Spirit of God has removed the veil, you'll know who he is. If the lamb for sacrifice instituted by Moses has instructed you in your need for the atoning work of salvation, well, he's come, the true lamb has come. See him. If the covenant promises of grace to Adam and Abraham and David, if they have been your anchor, well, then you'll recognize him the offspring of the woman to crush the head of the serpent, the offspring of Abraham to bless the nations, the greater David to rule with the rod of iron. See him, see him. We heard of this this morning when we heard wonderfully unfolded in the service, Zechariah 11, and how the God-sent shepherd of his people would come and yet be rejected and be valued at 30 pieces of silver. And you see if you have eyes to see in the pages of the scriptures, you actually see the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ shining forth from places you wouldn't even imagine and wouldn't even think it would be revealed, but it's there, he is there. The light of the gospel of Christ is there. And so that's what Philip had seen. That's the way in which he speaks to Nathanael when he comes to Nathanael and he says, the one who has fulfilled the law and the prophets, and he says, come and see him. Philip had recognized him. He had recognized the truth of who he was and he still had much to see even at the end of Christ's earthly ministry, even after his death and resurrection, Luke 24 is all about this, how Christ unfolds the law and the prophets to his disciples and he opens their minds to see more clearly. There was so much more. There was glory on the pages of the scriptures and that's what, that's what Philip wanted Nathaniel to come and see. This is the one, that, that faint sketch, that that image that we had seen from long before, here he is, once in the word, now here in the flesh. And so read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Because there you see the glory of Christ. Old Testament just as much as New Testament. Open the pages. Store them up in your hearts. Come to Bible studies. 
Memorize God's word. Let it sink in. Look upon it. Gaze upon Jesus Christ there. His glory is there to be seen. And under the influence of the Spirit of God through prayer, it is true that we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Come and see. That's the call of discipleship. Come into the word of God. That's why that is so basic. And the beginning of the path and really all the way along the way of the path, come and see like climbing some grand mountain slope and the view gets clearer the higher you come. Come and see. So Philip calls Nathaniel, come and see. And Nathaniel comes. He's not confident as he comes that he's coming to see the one who's foretold by Moses and the prophets, but he is in fact coming to see him. And so secondly, see the glory of the God who sees you. Look at verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now that's a strange way to greet a stranger. But of course, Jesus is no ordinary person giving an ordinary greeting. He's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and he's the Lord of men's hearts. And so Jesus introduces himself not with an introduction of himself, but with an introduction of Nathanael. He he puts his finger right on Nathanael's heart and tells him who he is. These words are an assessment of Nathanael's spiritual condition. It's along the lines of Romans 2.28, which says this, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. A true Jew, Nathanael is a true Jew. Behold, an Israelite indeed, Jesus says. He's one inwardly, and his praise, therefore, as Romans says, is from God. It's from Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. What does Jesus mean about no deceit? He says that there, in whom there's no deceit. Well, that's a basic description of the converted soul. Like Psalm 32, 2, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. It's a man who has laid himself bare before God, a man not walking in darkness and self-deception or hypocrisy before others. He's walking in the light. 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Nathanael is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Jesus knows him. He knows him utterly. He knows him completely. And Nathanael gets it when Jesus says that. He, he gets the significance of what is being said about him by this rabbi who Philip has just introduced him to. That's why he says in verse 48, how do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. 
Now, at least implied in that is that there Nathaniel was somewhere where no one else would have possibly humanly seen him. And so this is a miraculous seeing of Nathaniel, which alone would, would, would bring him to uh, great wonder. I tend to believe that the fig tree carries some significance in Scripture. You can see this in a few places of uh, being an emblem of spiritual peace I think it was a literal fig tree he was under, of course, but I think it was probably a place of meditation and prayer. Maybe it was a place of his conversion. But whatever it was, the fact that Jesus said this so laid Nathanael bare that he says in verse 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. He is, he is utterly laid bare, and he knows that what Philip says, that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, that that's true because of what has just been said to him by Jesus. See, Jesus knows Nathaniel, and Nathaniel is seeing that. He's seeing that Jesus knows him down deep, just as he knows Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Just as he knew Paul, Galatians 1, 15 and 16, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, etc., he knew him down to the bottom. Nathaniel was experiencing what will come later very explicitly in the book of John, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He knew Nathaniel right down at the core. Philip had told Nathaniel to come and see and Nathaniel saw the one who knew him when he came and he saw He saw the one who first saw him. Like Hagar when she fled Sarah and God met her in the wilderness and gave her hope and promise and she recognized he was El-Roi, God my beholder, God who sees me. Do you see the glory of Christ? Because he sees you and he knows you in the same way. And to become a disciple is to come to face that fact. He knows you fully. He knows your condition down to the bottom. He knows you in the depths of your heart. He knows who you are in the secret quiet of your home, in your chair, wherever it is you get away from people. He knows you there. He has an assessment of your condition just like Nathaniel's, and so much more. And if you have come to see, if you have set off on this path of discipleship, if you have seen the one who sees you, then you have found out that he not only fulfills all the law and all the prophets and Moses, but he is not fulfilling them as some distant figure, but he has fulfilled them as the Lord of men's hearts, and that's central to his glory, and he is leading you forward in the path of discipleship as the one who knows you up and down. The good shepherd has found you. He knew you before the foundation of the world, before you knew him. He knew you And he who drew you to himself now leads you in perfect knowledge of you. It must have been a truly awesome moment for Nathaniel 
to begin following Jesus Christ that day. I hope that you can relate to him in his dawning awareness that this teacher, this rabbi, knew him completely. It's a Psalm 139 matter. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Have you grasped that? Has that laid you low? Has that filled your life with the deepest awareness of this one, seeing the glory of the Lord of men's hearts, every thought and inclination bear before him. Are you walking in that light? You cannot be a disciple and think that Christianity is a distant thing. It's impossible. It cannot be done. This Christ cannot be kept at arm's length. If you think that you can be a Sunday-only Christian, then you have not begun to see the truth of who he is and what it means for you to follow him. He knows you from top to bottom and he will only lead you forth on the path of discipleship on those terms as the Lord of men's hearts. And if you have not seen that, if you think you can keep him at arm's length, then you are blind. You are blind. You have not seen the glory of the God who sees you. That brings us third to the glory of the one who reconciles heaven and earth. And really that second point about the one who sees you only is a hopeful point in view of this third one. Look at verse 50 in our text. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Now, this is not a rebuke of Nathaniel believing too easily or quickly. It's really an exclamation. Oh, Nathaniel, do you know what you are in for? The fact that I knew you completely is just the beginning. It's just the, the tip of the iceberg. Do you believe on account of that? Good. It's a small thing in comparison with what is ahead The road of discipleship is from glory to glory. Greater things are ahead for every disciple of Jesus Christ. Verse 51, and he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Truly, truly, or literally, amen, amen. Jesus is the only one who speaks with that form of speech in the Bible, that amen, amen. He's the faithful and true witness. It's a most solemn testimony declaring absolute certainty from he who is the word, the eternal word. The reference here of what what he is speaking of is back to Genesis 28 and the vision of Jacob. You are probably familiar with that vision of Jacob's ladder, but if you forget, I'll just rehearse it. The ladder is set up on earth and the top of it reaches up to heaven. And Jacob sees the angels of God ascending and descending on that great ladder. And the Lord stands above it and reiterates there the covenant promises that were made to Abraham and to his offspring, Jacob promise of blessing to all the earth. 
And Jacob is in awe. Jesus says, Nathaniel, you will see this. You will see this. And he'll see it because Christ is the ladder. Christ is the mediator, the go-between. Nathaniel had just declared him to be the son of God. And, and here Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. And he's both because he's the mediator. God and man, the go-between heaven and earth. The angels are the inhabitants of heaven. And in the fallen state of man, the angels are hostile forces because we by nature are children of wrath. That's why again and again in the Bible, those encounters with angels are terrifying to those who encounter them. As you know, angels are hostile because here we are in our sin and evil. And yet in the vision, the angels are ascending and descending. What for? We can only gather in view of the promises to Abraham that they are coming in this way. Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? The point being, by the mediation of Christ, heaven and earth will be reconciled. Nathaniel would see that not by vision, but by the reality, by witnessing Jesus Christ in his work on earth, by witnessing his reconciling work, laying down his life, rising from the dead, the completion of the atonement, witnessing of the resurrection, the ascension of the Son of Man to the right hand of the Father, and now the intercession, knowing his, his ongoing intercession at the right hand of the Father, his wounds forever testifying to the reconciliation that has been won. And so let me ask you, do you see that glory of Christ, the glory of his mediation? Do you see it? It is the glory of God. It's the glory of mercy. It's the glory of his great love to ruined sinners like you and me. And do you see that? That's our only hope. Do you see that? If there is anyone who does not see that, you're in a fearful place, blind to heaven's light, deaf to heaven's invitation. If you don't see that, page after page of Holy Scripture is testifying to Christ. And it's also testifying the most severe of warnings to your condition if you do not see that. Do you see that? He has complete knowledge of you. We are bare before him, before the eyes of whom to, uh, to whom we all must give account. We are bare before him. Won't you see? That is the invitation of the scriptures. It's the invitation of Philip. It's the invitation of Christ. Come and see, sinner. Come and see the reconciling work of the Son of God, the Son of Man, the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of the prophets, the one who knows you from top to bottom. 
Come and see him in the scriptures. And if you do see him, if you see the glory of Christ in all the scriptures, if you see the one who knows you uh, from top to bottom completely, and if you presently see the reconciling work of of God in Jesus Christ, the angels and ascending and descending on the Son of Man, then set yourself all the more to steadily gaze on these things. Do not be content with where you are on the road to discipleship, but let's go together onward and upward. It was the blessing to me and how my dad referred to how I was ministered here at this church. Those who took me to the Eaton Park long gone up the road, and opened the Bible as we read through the Bible in a year together and gazed into those things. Take full advantage. Open your Bibles. Gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ more steadily. Our sight is so dim. Our view so often blurred. Mine like yours. Let's go together gazing into the word of God looking upon our Savior and being transformed from one degree of glory to another and remembering that what we see now by faith, we will see by sight. And I believe that the full fulfillment of that vision is found in the fact that one day the clouds will roll back and Jesus will come in the glory of the angels and of his Father and he will descend and the new heavens and the new earth will be ushered in, and we will see his glory. We will see it by sight, but now we see it by faith. Press on, see him. Let's all go forward together from one degree of glory to another. Come and see. Let me pray. Gracious Father, we pray. Open our eyes, Lord. Lead us onward. Take us by the hand and lead us to glory. May we see our Savior more clearly. May we know him more deeply. And may you transform us from one degree of glory to another. We pray you would do this here and afar. And we ask it in the great name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit. Westminster Pulpit.